Hey there, everyone. Welcome to Holy Man, a journey of becoming godly men. No matter if we are sons or husbands, dads, grandfathers, or just any regular guy out there, we are going to try to figure out how God would want us to live on this journey called life. None of us have it all figured out. So let's dig into God's Word and wrestle with God's Word as we try to become who God created us to be, specifically, holy men. Hey there, men. It's good to be back with you today on the Holy Man podcast. Uh, thanks for joining me today. And for all you ladies out there that I know that like to listen from time to time, uh, as you're learning how maybe to be a better support to your husbands or your sons. Today, uh, we're at episode 54, as we continue on through the book uh, called The Measure of the Man that uh, Gene Getz produced many years ago. Uh, as we're looking at the 20 different attributes that uh, Paul shares with uh, young Timothy and Titus as they are learning how to be young leaders uh, in as Christians and then also training others up, discipling others and helping them. So as we start off today, as we look at uh, what our topic is today, I have a trivia question for you guys or ladies. <laughs> uh, good luck with this one. Uh, if you've seen the movie Tombstone, the Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday story that has uh, Kirk Russell and Val Kilmer and Sam Elliott to uh, some great actors. And it. it was a great movie, uh, you know, great casts. In that movie, Wyatt Earp, when he uh, goes and finally pulls his pistol out of storage, uh, there's a name written on the pistol. Uh, there's like a little plaque on the pistol grip. And what is that? Do you, do you remember what it is? Who knows what that name is? Yell it out <laughs> if you know what it is. Uh, yeah. Well, the name of the pistol is what we will be talking about today here on the Holy Man podcast. We're in episode 54, continuing uh, through looking at these 20 attributes. And this is a great attribute today. Uh, it's so important for us to, to be chasing after this attribute. It, you know, Jesus tells us that we'll be blessed if we have this attribute in our life. Uh, Peter, the passage I'm going to have you talk about in your life groups, talks about how your life will be great. You'll be happier more with this attribute in your life. So, it, you know, it's a good one. It's a really good one that we should be chasing after we, be, we should be working for and allowing the Holy Spirit of God to help us with this one, especially when we're encountering some of those people that might push against it. All right. So I gave you some time to think about it, maybe even to Google what that, uh, the name on his pistol is. Did you figure it out? It is peacemaker. Our attribute for today is being a peacemaker. The Greek word that Paul uses in here is, uh, I'm a host. Uh, I'm a host, something like that. The idea of being peaceable or disinclined to fight. 
So you're more about unity. You're more about bringing people together instead of having a war, pushing people apart. And so uh, that's what we're talking about that. And so this one is right in line with the first three attributes that we've looked at during this semester, uh, episode 51, two, and three. You know, if we think about the first four attributes of this semester, including today's, they all deal with how we treat people, how we do relationships. And notice this, they all came right after the session about not being self-willed or self-centered, but instead being about others. And I don't know how many times I've mentioned it now that that, that episode, episode 50, is at the heart. It's at the center. It's very appropriate for today then. So today's attribute of being peaceable is the understanding that we don't stir others up into dissension, into contentiousness. We don't push people away from ourselves or others, but instead being peaceable, being a peacemaker shares the idea of naturally bringing people together, being unified. So the opposite of peaceable is being contentious, argumentative, maybe insensitive of others, possibly even inclined to cause a fight. You know, I think about, uh, as I've been raising my kids, you know, I think of a middle school boy, uh, and I can think of myself back when I was a middle school boy, I didn't used to think this way about myself, but now that I had my own boys raising them up, uh, Andrew went through this stage. Daniel is just entering this stage. I think of when I was this way, just naturally, we like to push the envelope. We like to be contentious. We like to be argumentative. Uh, we all know, you know, it's not just a middle school boy thing, right? That might be where some of us learn to be good at it. But we all know that of us adults, some of us, we really struggle to be peaceable. Maybe you are that person. Maybe you are naturally con contentious, divisive. Maybe you like being argumentative, pushing, you know, the, the buttons on other people, stirring things up. Now we all have moments. Okay. I get it. We all have moments when we're not good at this one. Maybe it's been a stressful day. And so we're more contentious than normal. Maybe we're just tired or aren't feeling good. Maybe someone has been pushing our, our buttons to have us in a certain mood. There are lots of reasons why we might struggle at certain times with this. I'm a, I'm a host, I think is the Greek word again, uh, you know, in certain times being not being peaceable. So we all have moments, but I think Paul was more concerned as he wrote this to Timothy is more concerned with the person who consistently and habitually demonstrated inappropriate attitudes and actions that would cause the opposite of peace. And also, you know, maybe it's the person who was two-faced. You know, one moment they seem as nice and peaceable as can be, but a moment later, they're stirring things up. Maybe you know some of those individuals. Sometimes this person can be obvious, you know, with how they are not peaceable. You know, they, they enter a room and you, you can already see them as they're entering. They're fully charged, ready to argue or cause an argument. Uh, we, we know some of these people. We can see or hear them coming from a mile away. Uh, you probably have someone in mind right now as you're thinking, maybe you have yourself in mind as a person that, man, it's interesting when, when I walk into a room, things seem to get heated up. Well, if you are that person, we need to be paying attention. Or if you know that person, maybe you need to be paying attention to how you can help them move away from that and into a more peaceable life. You know, for me, 
it's harder for me when it's a person who's a wolf in sheep's clothing, the person who makes it seem like they are peaceable. You know, many people think they are, they're a great guy, but they just like to push buttons of others to stir things up. You know, back when I was a, I remember this one person in particular, back when I was a youth pastor, we had a guy in our church who was this guy on a regular basis. Uh, he was great for coming into a conversation, seemingly like all was good and like he was in favor of, of you and, you know, that he seemed to have your back. Then all of a sudden he would ask a question that he knew full well would stir you up. It was like a backhanded slap of some kind. You know, for, for me, the leader, I was the leader of teens. And so he might come into a conversation and seem like he's supporting me and things. And then he would say, what do you think about how noisy those teens were today during worship? And if I started to defend the teens or give reason for what they did, he would push back a little bit. He would argue, he would stir me up even more. And once my stress level or my tenseness went up, he would just start laughing, like start giggling. His wife would smack him and say, let Paul alone. But if someone else was in the conversation, if they chirped in as well, stirring things up, he would laugh even more. He regularly just loved pushing people's buttons and stirring up dissension. It'd be like a person going into a MAGA rally and asking a question about Biden's policies on, well, on anything just to stir things up. You know, everyone thought that this guy was a great guy. He was an influencer in that church. Truthfully, he had been in leadership of, for many years. But wow, how he loved just to stir things up, just to get people going. He was so good at causing disunity instead of unity, dissension instead of peace. It's counter peace. It's counter Christ. Because, you know, Jesus, he had the title of being the Prince of Peace. So if he's the Prince of Peace, then anything that is, you know, pushing for contentiousness or disunity, it's counter Christ. So do you know people like this? Or here's the harder question. Are you a person like this? Does dissension and disunity follow you around? Or maybe it's just within certain groups of people that you are inclined to stir things up, to bring disunity into the midst. Well, I'll tell you what, scripture, there are so many places we could go uh, that calls us to be peacemakers, seekers of peace. A little over a month ago, you know, we were singing in church, uh, the, the great Christmas songs, and we sang about many places where we were singing about peace and being a peacemaker. You know, you think about the angels out there the night that Jesus was born, they were singing glory to God in the highest and peace to all on whom his favor rests. You know, Jesus, the Prince of Peace coming into the world was to bring peace. So as Jesus was leading off his great sermon on the Mount, you know, in Matthew chapters five, six, and seven, we find him sharing these things that are called beatitudes. Remember them? There are things that attitudes of our being is where the word beatitudes come from. And he talks about how blessed are or God blesses, depending on which translation you have, 
these individuals, people with these attributes. And so he starts off in saying, bless God, blesses those who are poor in spirit and realize that they need him for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. He says, God blesses those who mourn. God blesses those who are humble. God blesses those who are hungering and thirsting for righteousness and justice. God blesses those who are merciful for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure for they will see God. And then he comes, this is in verse nine of Matthew chapter five. He says, get this, God blesses those who work for peace or those who are peacemakers for they will be called the children of God. Did you get that? Let me say this one again. God blesses those who work for peace for they will be called, what's their title? They will be called children of God. Now you get that, you know, (laughs) as I was growing up, people said, boy, you're just like your dad. You're just like your mom. You have attributes of your mom or your dad. You know, you get told that as a child, you know, I don't know how many times I've been told lately that Daniel, as a people see his school picture, boy, he looks just like you. Or maybe there's moments when Andrew says or does a certain thing, boy, you act just like your dad. Well, that's what Jesus is saying here. You are blessed as you work for peace and your title will be a child of God. Well, that be, that's because you look like God. You are demonstrating an attribute of God, the Father, when you are acting with peace. So Jesus says you'll be blessed. God will bless you when there's peace and you think about your life and those moments where in your relationships, when there's peace, when there's not disunity, not when there's not contentiousness, when there's not dissension, man, those are the better times of life, right? When your relationships are unified, when you are having the same mindset, and especially if you have the mindset of Christ, as Paul tells us in Philippians chapter two, when you have that mindset, the mindset of Christ, and you're unified with other people in that mindset, and life is good. When you have all those other attributes that we've been talking about, and when those are, you know, you think of your household, when you and your wife and your kids, when you are unified in things of God, and life is good in the house. God, that is a blessing, right? Now you think about this. I said it before earlier on, you know, that episode 50 that talks about, uh, you know, self-centeredness or, you know, that was the, that's the heart of all of this. When we are self-centered, when we are looking more out for ourselves instead of others, that is counter Christ. If we have the mind of Christ, as Paul says in Philippians 2, then we will be more about others than ourselves. You know, if I'm more about myself, then I'm going to be more contentious, more divisive. I'm going to push people away instead of bringing people and peace into my situations. Again, think about our home life with Karen and my kids. If I'm about myself, I'm not going to be pleasant. You know, especially if they have that same mindset, if they are self-centered, just like I'm being self-centered, then we, we are going to clash big time because we're not looking out for each other. We're looking out for ourselves, and it will not be peaceable. But if I'm a child of God, 
if I'm looking like God and the attributes of God are showing up in my life, then I'm going to be selfless, more others focused. And if my family, if my wife and kids are trying to do the same thing, if they are allowing the Holy Spirit to move them into being more about others, then man, there is a chance of some serious peace in our midst. You know, as we look into to the word, there's so many, again, there's so many places that we could look to for this. And one passage I'm going to have you look at in your life group, Simon Peter wrote a great passage in first Peter chapter three. And I'm going to have you again, look at that in your life groups to talk about a little bit. And he shares a little bit about what makes good peace in our relationships. Now, this is Simon Peter. You think about him. It took him a while to figure this out. How many places do we see as he walks along with Jesus where he's stirring things up instead of bringing people together? He's causing disunity and contentiousness instead of peace. It took him a while for the Holy Spirit to get him to figure this out. But once he did, man, he wants to speak into us as we live in this pagan world where there's a lot of contentious people. He wants to help us understand what brings peace. So you're going to dig into that passage and it's going to be a great one for now though. Let's, I want just to think about in Ephesians chapter three, Paul, this is Paul talking now. And he, he was also one to stir up contentiousness at one time. But then once he learned about peace, it's in Ephesians where he shares this prayer for the people of God. Yes, it was for Ephesians, but it's for us too. Because he's sharing this with for, for the people of God that we might become more and more like God. So it's in Ephesians chapter three, starting in verse 14, he shares this prayer, such a powerful prayer. Listen to what he's praying in this. And, and just because after the prayer, he's going to lead us into what this prayer can lead us to. And it's going to be all about unity. So he says, when I think of all of this, I fall on my knees and I pray to the father, father, the creator of everything in heaven and earth. And now what's he going to pray? Well, listen to this. He says, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources. So he's saying, I, I want God from his warehouse and God has a huge warehouse and from that warehouse of all the God's resources, he says, the glorious resources, he says, I pray that he will empower you. So get the stuff out of his warehouse so that God can empower you with what? With inner strength through his spirit. So the spirit of God that is tabernacling, that is setting up camp on our heart, that we're going to have inner strength, that this campsite, that the Holy Spirit of God on our heart What's he going to bring to us then? He says, then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him and your roots will go down into God's love and keep you strong. So can you imagine this image that he's praying for that, that your roots are going to go down deep into the heart of God, into his love, and you're going to get to know God more and more. And then he continues verse 18. He says, so that you may have the power to understand all as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is his love. Paul wants you, he's praying that you, by God's resources, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that your roots are going to go down deep into his love. So you're going to get a better understanding how much God loves you. 
let that sink in. That's Paul's prayer for us, that we will get a better understanding of how much God loves us. He says in verse 19, may you experience the love of Christ, though it it's truly, it's too great to fully understand, he says. Then if you full, if you more understand how much God loves you, then you will be made, he says, complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. So the more you get to know how much God loves you, it's going to change you, he says. As your roots go down deep into this love, it's just going to change you. And so that you're going to be different. So you think about that. The more we get to know God, the more we know how much he loves us, how much he is longing for our lives to be transformed and changed by the power of his love. It's going to change us. And then his love is going to move us into life. And that's what he says. He says in verse 20, now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power to work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. So he's saying the more you get to know his love, he's going to, he, with this love in our hearts, the more we get to know his love, God's going to be able to, through his power to do great things through our lives with the relationships that God places around us. All right. Now that's his prayer. Now it's going to lead us into chapter four. And the, the, he starts off chapter four with the word, therefore. You know, so we have to ask, why is the there there for? You know, it's a connector. He's going from the prayer saying, okay, now this is what comes out of that. If this prayer plays out in your life, if you are getting out of the warehouses of God, the deep understanding of his love in your life, this is how it's, this is what it's going to move you into. This is what Paul says. He says, therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. Well, what's your calling? Well, to be Christ-like, of course. He's calling you to be like Christ. Okay, well, Christ was the Prince of Peace, right? So, for you have been called by God to live this calling. What have you been called to? To be a little Jesus. So, verse two then. Always be, get the, these are the attributes that are going to play out in their life. Because we know God, because we know of his love. Get this now. Verse two, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. So these are attributes that we've been talking about throughout this entire book study. Attributes that we've been realizing that they come into a man who's growing in his relationship with Christ. So be humble, gentle, be patient. We keep going. Make allowance for each other's faults. So it acknowledges there's going to be faults. We all have faults. So when other people are coming at us, when they are being annoying people, there will be those who cause us struggles when we're dealing with those types of people that maybe they are the ones being contentious. Then how do we live? We, well, we make allowance or we forgive. We have grace for them because Jesus has grace for us. We are humble. We are gentle. We are patient. We are making allowance for other people's faults. And how do these things, how do we do these things? How, how do we have patience? How are we humble? Well, get this because of your love, Paul says, the love that you learned about from God as God prayed that we, we know God's love more. Well, that love changes us to be able to love. 
So because of our love, we're making allowance for people's faults. We're having grace for them. We are being humble. We're being gentle. We're being patient. Paul continues, verse three, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with, with what? With peace. For there is one body, one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope in the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all and in all and living through all. So we see where Paul goes with this. He says, be unified, be about the oneness of being united to Christ. That's where peace comes from. Being united with Christ, his love, it moves us. Are you getting this? It's kind of what Jesus prayed for in the garden and the last night that he was before the cross. Unity for his followers, people who seek for and work for peace. In chapter 17 of John, if you read that, that you're going to see, that's the, the message of peace, the, of unity that Jesus is praying for. Let's face it, guys. Peace is better. We are blessed when we are moving towards peace in our relationships in our life. You know, that guy who liked to try to get me and others worked up because that was what he thought was better, what more fun. Well, no, it wasn't. You know, after it happened a couple of times, I steered clear of him and so did others. He lost relationships because of how he was, you know, disunited, disunified, how he pushed people away. You know, I kind of felt bad for his wife because she was a sweetheart and they were losing relationships because he was contentious in his relationships. We can't control others when they do this, but we can allow the Holy Spirit to help us control us. If, you know, if this is something that maybe you struggle with, start praying. And the same prayer that Paul just prayed over us, pray that prayer for yourself, that you will better know God's love and his desire to be united with you because that will move you to be more loving, more humble, more gentle with others and more peace, peaceable in your relationships. Now, if, this, if there's somebody else, start asking those you know, how you can bless them, how you can help them you know, for the guy that, you know, stirred me up, if I was wiser at the time, I would have gone to him and saying, dude, do you realize what you're doing? You know, do you realize how you are pushing people away instead of bringing together and, you know, to, to just love him through that and help him to see the perspective of what I was seeing. It's an opportunity for us to allow the Holy Spirit of God to move people together instead of pushing people apart. You know, if you have this problem in your family, if you have a lot of disunity, if you have a lot of contentiousness, if you allow a brokenness, well, start praying about it as a family that you can be more united, how you can be more loving towards each other. You know, Jesus is the Prince of Peace, guys. And so Paul and Peter in your talk about the passage that I want you to in your life groups, they stir us to help us to see that blessed are, God blesses those who are peacemakers, those who are about more about others and bringing unity together than those who are willing to push people apart. So guys, if you are somebody that struggles with this, start praying about it. Start digging into the different passages in scripture 
that teach us and show us how to be more peaceable, how to be more about bringing people together instead of pushing people apart. It'll bless your marriage. It'll bless your relationship with your kids, your relationship with your parents, your relationship with others in the church and beyond. Learning how to be peaceable there, you know, peace is better. It's better than war. So the Prince of Peace will stir you to be about peace. Guys, the good news is the Holy Spirit's going to be helping us with this because if we do this on our own, we're going to fail because we're going to be more about ourselves than others. But if we learn by the power of the Holy Spirit to be more about others than ourselves, then we are going to have more of an opportunity, more of a chance of leading peace. Guys, we don't, (laughs) I know. In the movie Tombstone, the the pistol was hoping, he was hoping that it was going to bring, bring more peace than war. Well, in our lives, the Holy Spirit will do that more. So may you move into this day, finding ways to allow the Holy Spirit to guide you into be more peaceable. And may you be blessed because of it. Hey guys, we'll see you next week. We're talking about another great attribute. I have a guest on with me next week. It's going to be great. Hopefully you enjoyed what Grant and I had to share together last week as we continue moving through this journey of learning how to be by the power of the Holy Spirit, holy men. Holy men.